Welcome aboard the Jungle Cruise. I'll be your skipper and guide down the rivers of adventure. You know, we always turn and take a last good look at the dock and wave goodbye because uh, we may never see it again. We have dedicated this happy place to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 258 for the week of January 22nd, 2012. This week, we'll look at another best of the best in Walt Disney World as we explore and share some locations in Walt Disney World that are, for the most part, just for adults. Recorded live in one of the ones on our list, we'll look at some of our favorite and possibly overlooked lounges in Walt Disney World. I'll have a few announcements, including more information about our WDW Radio 5th anniversary celebration, our next title in our Disney Book Club series, Meet of the Month updates, and more before I play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. too often I hear from some people who just don't get it that Walt Disney World is just for kids. I then usually put my head in my hands, shed a silent tear, put my hand on their shoulder, and explain why that is not the case. And in fact, Walt Disney World isn't just for kids or families, but it's a great place for adults of any age as well. It's not just the number one honeymoon destination in the world, but an incredibly popular spring break getaway and retreat for many locals. And while those adults can always be kids again when they're here, sometimes they may want to be adults too. And in doing so, they may want to sit back, relax, or stand up and dance with a beverage for those who are, of course, 21 and over. And so, in the interest of taking one or ten for you, the listener, the team, this week we're going to take a look at some of our favorite, overlooked, and maybe even somewhat hidden lounges at Walt Disney World. And joining me is Chad Davis, who's not only a Walt Disney World fan, but has helped create many of the libations for Walt Disney World guests while working at the resort. Chad, welcome to the show. Hi, Lou. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great to have you here, and we're actually sitting in one of our mutual favorite lounges in Walt Disney World. We're at the Bellevue Lounge uh, over at Disney's Boardwalk. But before we get into uh, talking about some of our favorite and maybe some of those overlooked lounges, uh, tell us a little bit. Again, I said you've been, uh, you've been serving, you've been slinging drinks across the bar <laughs> for a while. Um, but tell us how you sort of started out Disney fandom-wise and how you ended up and when you ended up here at Walt Disney World. 
Well, uh, I was actually born and raised here in Central Florida in Winter Haven, about, uh, I don't know, 40 minutes drive south of here. And so I, I grew up coming to the parks, uh, but I, I didn't really notice um, much of an uh, interest in Disney until uh, I was old enough to watch uh, the Disney Channel and, and get interested in more of the historical side of it. Uh, I remember uh, the Mickey Mouse Club and Zorro, but then the Walt Disney Presents would come on afterwards, and uh, or I would see the Inside Out specials with uh, Scott Harriet and then Brian Leary and J.D. Roth and George. I was Palmer. hoping you were going to mention it, right? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, never missed them. Uh, and then when my family finally got uh, internet, we we joined Prodigy, and there was a great uh, Disney chat rooms there, and, and also I got involved on the Usenet groups. Uh, You've instantly just dated yourself. Now we all know how old you are. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I was involved in you know, RADP and then ADD and all of that. And, and then once I was old enough to actually work for Walt Disney World, in 1998 I got a job on the weekends over in Fantasyland at Scuttle's Landing making snow cones. And uh, after that, I then also uh, moved into the attractions. I've worked all of the attractions in Adventureland and Liberty Square. Uh, I've worked over at uh, Animal Kingdom in Asia at the Cali Rapids. And once I then started college and started working on higher education, I went seasonal. And in order to uh, make my work you know, really count, I started working tip positions. So I, I did some bellman and, and valet services over at the Contemporary. And then finally, uh, about six years ago, I started bartending. So, and, and I actually I never didn't have any bar experience, but the Walt Disney Company is great when it comes to uh, opportunities for learning and development. And so I took a bartending training course over at the Pleasure Island. It was a three-week course. You'd meet once one day a week. Uh, actually, in uh, eight tracks is where I learned learned to, to make a few drinks. And with that, with a little bit of restaurant experience at a restaurant outside of Walt Disney World, uh, they they allowed me to start uh, bartending, and they put me at the Sci-Fi Dining in the kitchen, in the service bar where I would make those uh, adult milkshakes and other drinks. And after a while of learning the drinks, they then moved me to Captain Jack's restaurant at Downtown Disney, where I got to learn the real uh, talent of bartending, which is dealing with people, multitasking, uh, everything but making drinks. Making drinks is probably the, the easiest thing to learn when it comes to bartending. Uh, and I'm now, I, I've worked at a few bars across the property, but I'm now tra- uh, status over at uh, River, uh, the River Roost Lounge at Port Orleans Riverside. Home of Yeehaw Bob. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was very excited to be able to get to go there. It was one of my favorite bars anyways, and, uh, and I, I just love it there. I've been there now for about three years. It's interesting how you say you talk about bartending in terms of sort of the, the, the guest interaction, the guest experience, which is sort of what you've been doing since day one, whether you're working at an attraction or working valet it's about working with guests. And I think a lot of people think bartenders are just behind the bar slinging drinks but not getting a chance, but probably more so than anything else, really getting to talk to the guests. That is correct. Uh, you learn how to read guests. You, you can pick up on what their needs are, what they're interested in, if they want to talk or if they don't want to talk. Uh, it's, it's a very uh, heavy guest interaction position. And sometimes by guest needs, they may need a cab. They <laughs> <laughs> that's that's correct. Uh, I've I've got stories, but in order to keep your your clean rating on iTunes, I may may not be able to share some of them. <laughs> yeah, and you know we, we kid around about uh, Walt Disney World not being just for kids, and it's not. And for a while, you know, Pleasure Island was where people went, and it was sort of the the more of a party, the New Year's Eve every night kind of atmosphere. But I think a lot of people may not think about you know at night. Things to do go into some of the lounges on property. And so my first question to you is, you know, how do you define 
a lounge because when we were coming up with the idea for this segment, I specifically didn't include every bar on property because I think there's a big difference between you know ESPN Zone and Mannequins and Wild Horse Saloon and Eight Tracks versus something like the Bellevue. Uh, the, yes, that's that's true. Uh, I think a lounge for me would be a destination where I want to go to enjoy the company that I'm with, to enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, oftentimes that may involve a great view. Uh, Disney World lounges have excellent views throughout property. Um, but, yeah, something other than uh, necessarily the, uh, the drinks or the especially a loudness or, or uh, sometimes I, I think some of the lounges have some great entertainment. But what's nice about many of them here at Disney World is they have places you can go where it can be a little bit more quieter and you can enjoy your time with other people. Yeah, I mean, when I started trying to, to define it in my mind, I thought first and foremost of resorts. Uh, I thought of a little bit more of an upscale, laid-back, quieter kind of atmosphere, well-themed, like you said, uh, as opposed to the loud, you know, three-deep, trying to grab a bar in front of a TV. Not to mention, you know, some of the lounges have TVs, but that's usually not primarily why you're going there. Yes, that that is true. Um, I, I think of, uh, I mean, I guess as a regular, when I come to Disney World, I usually come here to, to take a little bit slower. And I also, when I'm on vacation, I found it's always nice to have a place to go back after the long day at the park to unwind and not something where I'm expecting a lot of, uh, you know, stimulation or, or entertainment. And like you said, I think a lot of the lounges, like the resorts themselves, are very, very well-themed, too. I mean, again, we're in the boardwalk uh, at the Bellevue Lounge, and it is it gives you that sort of old-style, you know, 1920s, 1940s kind of feel. We were even listening before. They have the old-time radios in the back that start sort of broadcasting. It's, it's the holiday season, so they were sort of doing a Christmas broadcast, too, and it really sort of helps to set the theme and the environment for where you are. Yes, I, I thought that was pretty neat too. Orson Welles reading a Christmas Carol. I I knew they did the old radios here, but I didn't know that they also would then uh, theme those for for Christmas time. And I, I think that's pretty neat. And you made a great point too about being a bartender and about the lounges themselves. It really is less about the drinks themselves, and we're not going to focus on the drinks. Although we will talk about some because some lounges do have. Uh, their specialty drinks or drinks that they're known for, things you can only get there. Uh, for the most part, the drink menu has been standardized across property. There is sort of a standard drink menu, but that's not always the case. You know, I, I, you'll still find some here and there. I don't know why, but the, the first thing that came to mind is a Lapu Lapu over oh, Tampa. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, where else are you going to get a drink inside a pineapple? <laughs> so let's talk about um, let's talk about some of our favorites. And again, I, I started off by thinking specifically of the resorts. And I think we'll hit a couple of other ones that I think qualify as lounges, but you might find in a park or elsewhere. Uh, either in no particular order or maybe the one that's your, your favorite, or one that you enjoy. Let's talk about a couple of our favorites. Okay, that, that sounds good. Um, I'll begin with the one that I know the best, and that would be the River Roost, since that's uh, where, I, where I work quite often. Uh, I, what I love about the River Roost, it's got a great theming to it. You have pictures of the old uh, Mississippi river boats, uh, steamboats all over. Uh, you have maps of the Mississippi on the wall, uh, which are really nice. But you also have you have a section that is uh, somewhat quiet with uh, sofas and a fireplace. And then you also have the main uh, dining room area where Wednesday through Saturdays you'll have live entertainment with the Yeehaw Bob, which can get quite rowdy. Not the place to go to relax, but it is 
is a, it is a lot of fun over there. Um, I also think the River Roos, uh, unlike some of the places that only have the standardized menu, it does offer some unique themed uh, beverages. They have the, the Abita beers uh, from outside of New Orleans. They do have uh, New Orleans, Old New Orleans rum, which you can't find anywhere else on property, so they can make a few special drinks with those. But I think overall, it just it has a, a little bit for everyone. If you're looking for entertainment, if you're looking for the drinks, or if you're looking for something place quiet to, to relax, especially any night uh, before the live entertainment begins, it's pretty quiet in there, and, and it's a nice place. You also have great staff. <laughs> uh, you have so you have some some cocktail servers there who've been there for quite a while, and they remember people, and they'll remember you if you if you get a chance to know them. They'll remember you every time you come in. So lots of special people there. And the thing too about River Roost is. We're talking about this sort of in terms of adults coming to Walt Disney World, a place when they get away, but it is right off the lobby, and it is kid-friendly. So if you want to have, you know, obviously Bob and and everyone else on property, the shows for the most part are very kid-friendly. So if you want to sit in there and obviously not have your kids drink, but, (laughs) well, it depends on however you parent, but assuming that you don't have your kids drink, they can sit there and enjoy the show as well. Yes, that that is true, and and they they do offer some special drinks for the kids. I can't tell you exactly what they are. I know they're some are called Brer Rabbits or Brer Bears or Brer Foxes. Those are really milkshakes. I don't know what they are. I have to ask some of the cocktail servers what they mean when they order them. Uh, but or Zippity Doodah, which is basically a kitty cocktail or a Shirley Temple. Uh, but yes, it is, it's a great place uh, for children. Even when Yeehaw Bob is playing, especially his first set, he he gears a little bit more towards the children. My kids are more captains run runner. runner. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And the other thing too that we should mention about places uh, like uh, the River Roost is that in addition to get to getting uh, off items off the drink menu, a lot of them also have. Uh, a limited selection of food items as well. That is uh, correct. The River Roost shares the kitchen with boat rides, so they have uh, some light appetizers available from about 5 to 10 p.m. while boat rides is open. You also can then go down to the, the food court and bring any food back that, that you'd like. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a nice place if you're looking for a bite to eat in a nice atmosphere. Uh, it's got that great sort of an, an old Midwest saloon feel to it on the inside. Uh, it's, a, it's a really neat lounge. And Bob puts on an awesome show. He's a separate podcast uh, all by himself. And, you know, the nice thing about that, too, is you don't need a reservation. You can walk in. It's completely free, so you can bring your family. So after winding down from the day, mom and dad want to get a drink, you want to see a show, you go there, and then you can walk right to your room. Yes, that is correct. He does a great show. It's kind of hard to, to exactly pinpoint what his show is. It's part comedy, part sing-along. Uh, he does some great uh, performances on the piano. And, uh, and and like I said, he starts a little kid-friendly uh, towards the beginning of his sets that begin at 8.30. But as he goes throughout the night, he'll throw in a few things that, that the humor is really more geared towards adult. And it's, just a, it's a lot of fun for everyone. That crying child in the back didn't <laughs> like his pina colada that the bartender here <laughs> made. So. Um, I think River Roost is a great um, idea. Now, I didn't put mine in any sort of particular order. But for some reason, maybe because I ate there last week, one of the ones that jump right out at me is I think one that's overlooked um, and it's not about the view because it's it's inside and it's downstairs but over at Disney's Contemporary Resort the Wave the home of the old Fiesta Fun Center so <laughs> things have come full circle for me um, it's attached to the, the Wave of American Flavors restaurant and when you walk in it's a it's a very sort of modern uh, feel uh, bar and there's a couple of TVs there but what I like is that there's two 
rooms off to the side, these two sort of semicircle-shaped rooms uh, draped in, in heavy blue color, but it is very sort of relaxing. There's uh, modern sort of comfortable couches in there. Uh, I know they're famous like for their organic drinks and their antioxidant cocktail, which has wildberry vodka, black raspberry, acai juice, I was corrected, uh, lychee, aloe juice, and, and lemon juice. So it's, it's a healthy beverage as well as to being uh, one that will help you unwind a little bit. But I think the wave is a really nice place. Most people, especially if there's no conventions going on, it's usually empty in there. So you can have a, a sort of intimate experience or it's also a great place to meet other people as well. Yes, uh, the thing about the wave, it kind of has a trendiness to it. Uh, that, that's kind of what they're going for. Uh, definitely more of an adult feel there. Uh, I haven't seen too many children down there unless they're waiting for the table. Um, it's also a nice place. If you if you need to get a, a quick bite to eat, you can get the menu from the wave there. Uh, I've been there a few times to eat, and, and it's a really nice addition to the contemporary. Yeah, and, and as long as we're there, I, I want to mention, although everyone doesn't have access to it, the Top of the World Lounge on top of Bay Lake. Have you had a chance to get up there yet? No, not yet. I've only seen pictures and, and read about it, and I've, I've talked to some people that have worked up there, and it sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it opened with Bay Lake Tower, and the difference about Top of the World, which is a, a reference to the old Top of the World Supper Club at the top of the Contemporary, uh, is that it's reserved for Disney Vacation Club members and their guests but you have to be staying at Bay Lake Tower. So you can't be at the Contemporary. You've got to be using your DVC points and staying at Bay Lake Tower. It's up on the 16th floor. It's this very kind of retro, modern uh, feel to it. There's a great old uh, painting of sort of the Bob Gurr monorail behind it, a little alcove with some old Disney World and Disneyland concept art sketches. But when you step outside and you get this literal breathtaking view of the Magic Kingdom and a place to see wishes. Uh, they pipe in the music there. You can watch uh, uh, the fireworks from there. It, it's simply spectacular. They have a, a full-service bar. They also have a great menu there as well, too. And because it is so exclusive, it's never crowded. So you really get a sense of uh, privacy and, again, a, 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 a place for adults to kind of get away. Yeah, it sounds really, really nice. Uh, I can only imagine... Uh, eventually, if, if they can't start to build up the, the crowd in there, they may start to open that up for the public or at least for people staying at the Contemporary, which I would love to be able to go up there myself, <laughs> not being a member of DVC yet. Uh, but, but, yes, everything I've heard about is just absolutely wonderful, a great view um, from up there. You can see, I've heard you can see as far as Claremont on a clear day. So uh, just it sounds really, really nice. So what, um, what's another one of your favorite or overlooked lounges? Um, another one of my favorites where I find myself quite often is over at the Grand Floridian at Meisner's. Uh, it's, it's got a really upscale feel to it, and you're right behind the Society Orchestra, so you get a little, a little bit of music while you're, you're enjoying your drink. Um, also, that's one of the only uh, bars I can think of on property that still serves the bar nuts, the peanuts, uh, while you drink. So, And there's some great bartenders there, uh, really nice people. It's kind of the place I always feel like I need to get either a martini or a Manhattan while I'm there. It just, seems, it just feels appropriate. So, uh, But yeah, I really, really do like Meisner's. Yeah, and I agree about having the Grand Floridian Society Orchestra playing literally right behind you there. It's not a very large uh, lounge, too, so it never gets overly crowded in there as well, uh, especially during the holidays. Really nice place to go. You get your gingerbread shingle, and then you go up for... Uh, and again, it's funny you mention that. The feeling of, depending on where you are, the kind of cocktail that, that you're going to get. And that actually brings me over, as long as we're staying on the monorail loop, 
over to the aforementioned Tambu Lounge because when you're there at the Polynesian, you feel as though you need to get uh, some sort of a tropical drink. And again, the Lapu Lapu, it's Meyer's dark rum and fruit juice, and it's served in a pineapple, and they top it with Bacardi 151. Um, they have things like a back scratcher there, which I love because they actually give you a back scratcher <laughs> with it, a bamboo back scratcher. Um, I like it because of the location, again, especially if you're staying there. It's nice. The only thing is sometimes you do get a little overflow from Ohana if it's really crowded up there, so it's less of an intimate feel, but it does have that sort of tropical feeling to it, um, and it's, you know, it's, okay. it's the appropriate place to order a, a drink and a pineapple. Yes, and what I also like about Tambu Lounge is from as long as I can remember going through the Polynesian, it seems to be relatively unchanged up there. And the the overflow from Ohana has kind of spread out a little bit since they've they've sort of moved back the uh, the check in area for the restaurant. But yes, it's a really nice uh, nice restaurant and a nice lounge. I'm a bit more of a back scratcher person myself. <laughs> I do like uh, you know it's the only place on property you can find the passion orange guava juice mix, and I, I like the the Jack Daniels floater to cut a little bit of the sweetness. But yeah, I've got so many of those back scratches at home. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> and the other thing too about Tambu Lounge. Uh, is I go there often, not necessarily for the drinks, uh, although I feel obligated to get one, but they have great food there as well, too. They have uh, these phenomenal honey ginger chicken wings. Uh, They have the lump crab cakes from the Kona Cafe with this Asian tartar sauce, an oak-grilled tuna flatbread. It's got a really nice sort of sushi-grade ahi tuna. They have a, a, a nice, it's a great shareable portion of breads and chips and dips. And they've got flatbreads with sun-dried tomatoes and hummus, and I just like saying baba ganoush. Uh, and you can even get sushi there as well. Yes, and they always bring hot towels, which is a nice added plus. <laughs> yeah, another um, another place, uh, again, we'll sort of stay in this monorail section for one reason. I don't know if it's, uh, it's deliberate or these are just some of our favorites. But I was thinking about sort of that end of the day, that, that different feeling that you get depending on where you are. And I've always said that Disney's Wilderness Lodge, I think probably more so than any place else on property, gives you a sense of being in a completely different place. It could be 113 degrees with 95% humidity outside, and you want to sit by that roaring fire Mm -hmm. in the fireplace because you feel as though you're in the Pacific Northwest. And the Territory Lounge, uh, which is sort of behind uh, Whispering Canyon before you get down to to Roaring Forks by where Artist Point is, uh, is a beautiful, comfortable very, very well-themed, relaxing lounge. They have these uh, these dark woods and these very comfortable couches or tables. They have one TV off in the corner. But I feel when you're there, you're very much separated. Uh, like it's an escape from everything else that's going on in the lobby, which can often get crowded and sort of get the noise from Whispering Canyon. But I, I really like the feel. In ter- it's got a very warm feeling. Yes, it's a beautiful lounge. Uh, kind of a little bit rustic to it, but elegant. Uh, yes, it's just a, it's a wonderful place to go. You can get a drink and you can enjoy it there. Or if it's not so crowded in the lobby, you can just, you're not far from that fireplace as well. So, yes, I agree. That's a wonderful lounge. You take the boat back from the Magic Kingdom. You go right to Territory Lounge, get a little dip. Nice. Yes, I, I completely agree. <laughs> Sounds like a great evening. All right, so what's next um, on your unordered list? Um, I'm actually going to take us over to Coronado Springs, 
And this is an, an outdoor lounge. It's not the pool bar, but it's the Laguna Bar right outside of the main building overlooking the lake. They actually have set up couches there, uh, and they make great Long Island teas. And it, it's kind of, if, if the weather is cooperating or in the evening when it's a little bit cooler, it's just a really nice place to lounge and relax. So you said Coronado, and I smiled because I was, well, first, I, I wanted to either hug you or deck you because I'm like, he's going to take my overlooked, super hidden place that I think nobody goes to, and you didn't, which is good because I thought of Coronado Springs too, but I thought of Rick's. Mm-hmm. I thought of Rick's Lounge, which is R-I-X. It used to be Francisco's very different feel from Tambu or Meisner's or Territory Lounge. I, I, you walk in there, and you get a very... Vegas-like feel. I don't know how else to analogize it. it it's more of a high-energy atmosphere. Uh, sometimes it's more dance club than it is cozy lounge, although there are some uh, comfortable chairs off to the left-hand side by the bar that you can kind of snuggle up with your pineapple upside-down cake shot. Not that I've <laughs> ever had one or six of them. Um, or snuggle up to a close friend's um, they've got their own very specialty drinks there, too. It's not a, a Disney lounge. It's a third-party lounge. There's also a private room there. They have food. But it's a, a little bit different, especially like on Friday and Saturday nights when they sort of have uh, you know dancing and high-energy dance music going on there. But other times you can go in there, especially earlier in the evening, and find a, a cozy couch off in the corner and, again, sort of unwind. Uh, obviously much less busy when there's no conventions in town. Obviously, Coronado oftentimes is a big convention hotel. Um, but I've, I'm usually, when I've gone to Rick's, there's not a lot of people there because I think it's, it's very much off the radar. Yes, that is true. Uh, it, it definitely has a more adult feel to it, uh, catering towards the conventioneers. Uh, last time, it's been a while since I've been there, but last time I was there, I believe they actually had a menu where they sold uh, full bottles of liquor, which is very uh, Vegas-like, where, where you would go and you'd expect to buy a bottle to share amongst uh, hopefully lots of friends. <laughs> but yes, it is often overlooked. Uh, it's, it's not quite my speed. Uh, there are others that I really enjoy, but I, I think it's a good addition to have an option for, for adults that are looking for a place Place just like that. And I mentioned too, because especially after Pleasure Island closed and there was no mannequins and there was no motion in, in places like that, sometimes people think about, well, where do I go if I want to get a little bit more of a, a high energy kind of thing? Certainly Jelly Rolls is, uh, is a very, very high energy dueling piano bar, but it's more of a sing-along place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlantic Dance Hall, beautiful venue, huge venue. Um, it's free to get in, but unfortunately, oftentimes, it's it's not very crowded, except during busy times of year. Uh, but Rick's is a nice combination of, if you want to dance, it's there. If you want to relax, it's there, too. Uh, and I think Coronado's, again, it's a beautiful resort as well, too. So um, Rick's definitely should be something you, you put on your radar. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, so what else do you have next? Well, I'm going to take us over to the old Key West Resort to the Gurgling Suitcase. Uh, I've actually worked there a couple times, and I've really gotten to know the place. It's a it's a very well-themed bar. If you've ever been down to, to Key West and seen some of these old hole-in-the-wall bars, um, it, it does uh, share uh, with the pool as a pool bar, but it is located inside. It's right next to Olivia's Restaurant, so you can get a full the full menu there. 
But what I find most interesting about this bar is because uh, Old Key West is a DVC resort, a lot of the guests there are staying for many weeks at a time. And so they really get to know each other. And they like to come to the gurgling suitcase where they can uh, spend some time together. New friends that they make while they're at the Old Key West. A very different feel from any other bar I've worked at because it has that familiar uh, sense to it. And I also I love the theming to it. The gurgling suitcase is a reference to the uh, during Prohibition era when uh, people would smuggle rum through uh, from Cuba through Key West and they're uh, inside a false bottom suitcase. So I, I think that's kind of neat too. But it's just overall, it's it's a really nice lounge. Or well, it's a lounge and a bar. And I don't I don't know that too many people really know about it except for maybe DVC members. It, it, you make a great point because the one thing I've always felt about Old Key West is it very much has a community feel to it. And when you stay there and they welcome you home. You feel as though this is sort of where it's sort of your second home and everybody knows each other. And you get a lot of people that, especially since it was the first Disney Vacation Club, that continue to come back year after year. And so it's interesting that you sort of talk about that, that community sense of feel to the bar itself. Yes, uh, that's. I thought that was pretty neat because I came in. The, I've only worked a couple shifts there when they've needed me, but I was the outsider. Everyone else knew each other. All of the guests knew each other. They knew uh, the servers and the management and security people would stop in just to say hello to the guests that, that were happened to be sitting there. So and it was, it was just a, a really neat uh, thing to have these people where they just wanted to relax together, and, and even though they may have just met or met on vacations prior, they, they seemed to know each other very well. I almost got a little bit of a sense of that here. Again, we're at Bellevue Lounge at the Boardwalk. Um, it's 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 a little bit out of the way. Again, it's off the lobby, but it's, it's set back a little bit, and it's almost kind of a, a retreat. And it wouldn't be out of out of the ordinary, like Gurgling Suitcase, where you'd find family sitting here playing games. You know, there's games off in the corner, so you, mom and dad can have a drink, and they, and they could be playing games with the kids there as well too. Uh, and it almost has, I think maybe it's because it's the, the vacation club type things where people are here for longer amounts of time. You'll find a lot more of that. People just sort of getting together after, you know, late afternoon, early evening, having a drink and relaxing and, and doing stuff like that. Yes, I really do love this, this uh, lounge. It's the, the sitting room feel. It almost feels like you're in someone's home. And uh, I've spent many, many wonderful evenings here with family and friends. And, uh, and then you also have the patio right outside, which has some great views uh, overlooking uh, the boardwalk and, and the lawn and then uh, the lake, Crescent Lake. Um, just a, a wonderful place. It's a nice place where you can come and either get drinks or I've uh, one time brought a bottle of wine and we just sat out and watched the sunset outside just talking the night away. So I really do like this bar as well. And, and uh, as we already mentioned, the radios that are playing, uh, it's kind of a neat, neat touch to it. And they have tons of board games here. Here, so you don't have to bring your own. You can just come here and, and pick one out and, and just spend the evening uh, enjoying each other. You don't have to go to the parks or anything if you need a, a small break from that. And it's a place you can come to before you go out to dinner. You know, say you have, uh, like here, you, you have dinner at Flying Fish or at Kazunia. You might want to come here first and have a drink. Or afterwards, after you have dinner, you want to sort of spend some time wandering the boardwalk. And maybe you don't want something as high energy as jelly rolls. You can really sort of retire here with a drink just to sort of cap the night off. Yes, I, I agree. And, and that's, uh, that's how I've spent uh, quite a few evenings with other, other people that live really close by. This is a common place that we all really enjoy to, to hang out at while we're at Walt Disney World. So another place, as, when you said sort of out of the way, it made me think of this because it is very much out of the way unless you're staying there. But I was there again recently, and I just think it's one of the, the best-themed uh, lounges or, or bars. Uh, it's attached to 
a restaurant which I think is still arguably the best value on property. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about Crockett's Tavern. Mm-hmm. You were you're nodding. You knew where I was going. Crockett's Tavern over at uh, Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground. You obviously mm-hmm. can't drive right up to it. Uh, you can you can park and take a bus um, out there, or you can take a boat over. And it has that sort of community feel because that's very much what the campground has to it. There are some people that literally live there for months at a time. But it's so very well themed with props and details and story about Davy Crockett. And there's a, a, a gully wumper there. It's like, like the old Mike Fink boats over at the Magic Kingdom. And again, you've got uh, the restaurant right next door, uh, which I think the buffet is, again, like I said, one of the best meals and values on property. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and what better place to enjoy Fest Parker wine than at Crockett's <laughs> Tavern? I, I do love the theming there, if, if not just for the, some of the nostalgia and the throwbacks to Davy Crockett. It's, it's, it's a neat little, little place and very much overlooked, I agree. And I think the nice thing about going there is it's very much a, it's a diversion because you can't just sort of shoot in and shoot out. So I took my family there, not to the Crockett's Tavern, <laughs> but I took them for dinner there actually on Halloween and it was sort of a fun adventure for my kids, you know, going there, taking the bus out. You're able to walk the grounds a little bit so you can see where the hoop doo is by Pioneer Hall. You can go the stables and the blacksmith shop is there so they saw where the horses were kept. And you can kind of just wander around. There's Mickey's Backyard Barbecue there uh, late at night that you can do as well. And it is sort of a nice um, kind of off-the-beaten-path thing if you're not staying. And going during the holidays, whether it's Halloween or Christmas time, you can kind of just tour the resort and see how well decorated the campers have their campsites too. Yes, when I bring my family, we tend to to make a at least a half day of going to the campgrounds, and, and we usually make eating at Trails End uh, the the reason for going over. But then we stay around, we do some uh, some pony rides, or we walk around and find the lawnmower tree, or whatever the case may be. So I, I agree, it's a it's a great place to go and just spend some time to get out of the way, take the boat over from uh, the, from the contemporary of the Magic Kingdom, and uh, and just relax at the campground and, and go up to Crockett's Tavern and. and and uh, just, you know, get a beer and enjoy yourself. Any other lounges in Disney Resort hotels that you like or you recommend? Um, I would also uh, recommend uh, Victoria Falls over at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, it's just, you know, Animal Kingdom Lodge, because of its location, is often overlooked. But uh, that's a, it's a really nice lounge. Uh, it, it has an intimate feel, a dark wood feel uh, to it. Um, and I haven't been there in a while, but they used to have a really nice selection of teas and coffees there. Uh, so I would recommend that. And I, another favorite of mine is the Cruise Cup over at, at Yacht, the Yacht and Beach Club. Um, I, it's a, you can usually get in and find a, a place to sit pretty easily, and they have some good appetizers. And, and it's, just, uh, it's, it's just another place that just, uh, is very conducive for, for enjoying a drink with, uh, with friends in a, a quiet atmosphere. And you make a really great point um, that we should have articulated at the very beginning, which was when we talk about coming here to get a drink, it doesn't have to be an alcoholic drink. A lot of these have, spe- and if you look inside the menus, they have a lot of, of cocktails that ha- that are alcohol-free. There's coffees, teas, obviously juices and, and sodas and things like that. So it's more about going for the environment than anything else. I had Victoria Falls on my list as well, uh, although it's it's sometimes frustrating if you're not eating at Boma and you're smelling oh, Boma yes. right below <laughs> you. But I, uh, the place that I did have on my list from Animal Kingdom Lodge is actually Sanaa. Oh, yeah. So you go downstairs to Sanaa, which many people don't go to because of where it is. It's a small restaurant. It's over at the villas. And I mention it because I came up here one night when I was still living in South Florida. I drove. I got here very late. 
and I was starving. And the woman at the front desk said, oh, go down to Sanaa. And I was, I'm smiling as I say it because I was the only person there, loser. Um, <laughs> but I was the only person there, they had a great bar menu. So I had about 600 lamb kefka meatballs and a couple of drinks. And I was like, and there was a TV there and I was talking to the bartender. I was like, this is just such a nice, relaxing out-of-the-way night, and then you could sort of just... I wandered around, not stumbled around. I wandered around the resort a little bit afterwards because it's a beautiful resort to tour, even if you're not going there. So both Sanaa and Victoria Falls, I definitely put high on the list, too. Yes, I, I agree. And, uh, and of course, you, you can get some really great views over the Savannah uh, over there in that, that uh, back in Kidani Village. So, yeah, I, I would agree that that's a great bar, too. And a lot of the places that we're mentioning are on the monorail loop throughout deluxe resorts or DVC resorts. But there's also a lot of the, we mentioned one of the, of the, a couple of the moderate resorts, but even Pop Century has a nice little, it's more of a bar than it is a lounge, but a lot of people really enjoy going over to Pedals mm-hmm. at the end of the night. Um, again, it's, it's more of a pool bar, but I, I thought about it because that too has some of those unique drinks that are still remaining on the menu. I'm kicking myself for not mentioning the Outer Rim, mm-hmm. uh, and I mention it over at the fourth floor in the Grand Canyon Concourse of Disney's Contemporary Resort for one word, monorail. Mm-hmm. You sit there, and you can look out over Bay Lake, uh, and the, there is something, Chad, about that monorail passing overhead that makes the ca- Contempo Cafe good. It makes Chef Mickey's even better, but makes the... Um, it, it it makes the Outer Rim a place that needs to be mentioned on the list, too. Yes, I agree. Although it's a little bit smaller than it used to be, it's still a great bar. And uh, if you're lucky and you get a, an, an old-timer behind the bar, you just might be able to drink a monorail while you watch the monorail. <laughs> the, the, is it the Bob Girl monorail drink? Um, well, there's a couple different monorail drinks that were served at the, at the uh, top of the world. Uh, there's a monorail red, a monorail yellow. I think there's a monorail purple. And uh, I've... I've learned uh, those from the Rolodex we keep behind the bar. Some of them you can't make because we don't keep the ingredients. I mean, what bar has grape juice anymore behind it? Um, and, and some of them are very dated to the 70s. Uh, Monorail Red does have, um, uh, oh, what's the, the liquor I'm thinking of? Um, anyways, it, it's, it's very, very dated. Uh, that licorice liquor that they keep, uh, Galliamo, of course. Oh, wow, okay. Yes, yes. I mean, you don't even use them anymore. Except, I mean, Harvey Wallbangers, who orders those anymore? But, but, uh, but, yeah, but yeah, so, so uh, if, if you find someone there, they may know what, what you're talking about. If not, tell them to look it up. And it's just kind of a neat retro Disney thing to do. And that's cool. And I like the fact you mentioned some of the old timers, the people that have been there for a long time and have seen some of the changes and know some of the old drinks as well. I think we probably almost mentioned eh, pretty much every <laughs> every lounge in Walt Disney World, but uh, do you have any more at the resorts? Because I think there's a couple in park that deserve a mention as well. Obviously nothing in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, there are two taverns. There are going to be two taverns there, Tortuga and Gaston's, both of which will not serve liquor. But there's a couple of lounges that I thought about, and the first one... Um, was over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, which is the Tune-In Lounge. Mm-hmm. And it's the bar that's uh, integrated as part of the 50s Primetime Cafe. But it's got such a great theme to it because it's meant to be sort of a family den from the 50s. And you talk about old-timers and, and things that are dated. The furniture is retro. Everything is retro. Even the drink menu there has a retro feel. You can order some of Dad's classic cocktails. So, again, a Cosmopolitan, a Singapore Sling, Dad's Electric Lemonade, 
a Maui Wowie, and oh. Grandma's Picnic Punch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I really do like the Tune In Lounge. Uh, every time I go in there, I always say, someday I'm going to have a man cave that looks just like this <laughs> and uh, deck it out with uh, with some shag, you know, Disneyland and Disney World uh, prints. I just think it's a, it's, it is a neat place, uh, wonderful. It can get kind of busy in there sometimes when the restaurant is full, uh, but it's it's a great lounge. And it's, it's unique because not too many of the parks have actual lounges where you can find a place to sit down and enjoy a drink. Yeah, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention another extinct lounge over at Disney's Hollywood Studios that some of us old-timers, now that you've mentioned how old you are, um, the old Catwalk Bar Mm -hmm. above the Soundstage Restaurant where, I almost said, I'm going to really show my age, where Bear in the Big Blue House was. Now it's Disney Junior, not Playhouse Disney. Above there, there used to be a bar that you would enter uh, access from the Hollywood Brown Derby. If you go to the restrooms there, there's a velvet roped off staircase that would take you up to the catwalk bar, which I understand is still there. But like sort of a movie set, it was sort of this catwalk theme. You could actually look down on the soundstage restaurant. I only remember that from hearing about it. I've never actually been up there. Uh, it is it is a bit before my time, at least uh, my my legal time uh, of enjoying adult beverages. So unfortunately, I never got a chance to enjoy the catwalk bar. But I, I do. I, I've heard quite a quite a bit about it. Any other lounges in the parks that you think sort of qualify or, or people might not even think about? Well, I would uh, I would include in there La Caba del Tequila at Epcot. I think that's an excellent addition to the World Showcase. And even though it can be quite busy when the park is busy, if you if you can go during a slower time, I've been in there when it hasn't been nearly as busy, and, and it can actually get pretty quiet back there if you want to enjoy some conversation. But their menu is fantastic. Their uh, best margaritas on property, and uh, and they seem to be great people over there. Uh, if you if you're not following them, uh, follow them on Twitter. Every now and then they're throwing out drink specials and appetizer specials, which is which is a nice bonus. You don't see too much of that going on in Disney World property. And the cocktails there are very, very unique. I actually went there uh, the day that it opened and was talking to people, and they brought out a a selection of all these appetizers and drinks that uh, made with items that you wouldn't sort of think. So there was sort of a jalapeno margarita. There was a, um, I think, a blood orange one. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember because it was so long ago and because I think I drank all the things that they brought out to me. But you're right about the food, the, the bar menu, the menu in there. Is great, and it very much is sort of your your. It's a cave. I mean, it is very much a cave, but you feel as though you're kind of in uh, in the basement or off to the side of somebody's home. Yes, and, uh, and I highly recommend the avocado margarita. It doesn't sound like uh, something you may enjoy, but it's it's actually pretty sweet. It has a melon flavor to it. It's a frozen drink, it's, and it's really, really good. And I think it would be a nice addition in some of the other uh, uh, pavilions at World Showcase if they were to start opening up maybe over at Germany now that they've kind of moved all the candy uh, towards the uh, the caramel. What? Cooch, I better watch, <laughs> watch how I pronounce that. Um, and and they, it's opened up one of the storefronts. They could move maybe all the steins there and turn the, that wine cellar into an actual wine bar. Uh, I, I think there's lots of room for doing that throughout World Showcase. One thing I really miss is where Tokyo Dining is now. It's the, the old lounge there in Japan. Had these huge windows overlooking uh, World Showcase and Spaceship Earth and used to spend a lot of time there having sushi rolls and Ichigos and, and uh, Tokyo Dining is still fantastic. You still get the views, but it doesn't have that lounge feel like it used to have. See, you said lounge and you said Tokyo. You started to mention sushi. I thought about another place that serves all those things. It's kimonos mm-hmm. over at the Swan. Uh, very different than your 
typical other lounges because it opens probably 5, 5.30 at night. It's very small. It's kind of a shotgun feel to it. But it primarily, it's a sushi bar, mm-hmm. and it's also a lounge in the back, and they do karaoke at night as well. That's and right. when I say they, I mean everyone else other than me does karaoke. <laughs> and me. That's uh, I don't do karaoke either. But, yeah, so this, I think it's the only place you can do karaoke on property. But, uh, but yeah, Kimono's is an excellent place. Uh, do they still do the all-you-can-eat sushi, or, is, or am I thinking of someplace else? If they did, I'd be dropping the recorder right now and running down the promenade there. <laughs> we better look into that. Uh, I, I, might be, uh, I might be thinking of someplace else. But, yes, that, that's a great place, often overlooked. Another, I don't know that I qualify it as a lounge per se, but Blue Zoo, I think, has the best cocktails yeah. on property. Uh, you want to talk about mixologists who are experimenting with tons of flavors and, and unique ingredients. That's the place on property to go. I was like, I think for and it, and that too, uh, it was on my list because it's got a very modern, upscale feel to it. I, if you've listened to the show before, Blue Zoo is number one on my list of favorite restaurants, not just in Walt Disney World but possibly the planet itself. Um, but you're talking about a variety of drinks there. I know I was with some friends. Uh, somebody had a Bazooka Joe that actually had the floating. Remember the old Bazooka? And now I'm really showing how old it. Bazooka Joe was a gun that they used to have a little comic strip in, and they sort of floated an edible version of this comic strip oh on top of this pink drink that tasted like Bazooka Joe bubble gum. Wow, that's I'm gonna have to go see if they still make that. That sounds very intriguing. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Blue Zoo is an excellent place if you're looking for something to experiment. Uh, I'll let you in on a little secret: the standardized Disney menu mostly gets its flavors from syrups and not from actually fresh ingredients. So if you really want that upscale, high-end uh, cocktail, Blue Zoo is the place to go. Another place while we're at the Dolphin uh, that I think would qualify as a lounge is out by the pool. They have uh, their pool bar is actually set up so that you don't really have to be go- at the pool to enjoy the bar there, and it has a lounge feel to it. They serve food out there. Do you know which one I'm talking yeah. about? Yes, I, I, I think I, that's fairly new. I guess in the past few years that they've they've kind of remodeled that back yeah. there. But uh, but I think that's a nice space as well for for being able to sit back and relax. Yeah, because you're right. Because there's a lot of shaded areas. You don't have to be going to the pool. You almost. Uh, don't picture going there sort of in your bathing suit. You sort of picture going out, you know, just casually going out to have a drink, sitting out by the pool in the shade. And it's, it's a very well-themed area out there. So I thought you were going to say, and now I'm starving, by the way, I thought you were going to say Il Molino, because they have a nice sort of Bellini bar there, too. Again, it's sort of very, it, it's a modern thing. You don't have to be eating at Il Molino, which arguably may have the best Italian food on property, but it is uh, a more modern, kind of upscale, trend. even even the lounge in the in the Dolphin lobby, mm-hmm. right off the main lobby area, if you just want to sort of quickly go downstairs and get yourself a drink and sit back, there's tables as well as some couches there off to the side too. That's all those places I think are, are very much overlooked because unless you stay at the Swan and Dolphin, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think about heading over there. Yes, I agree. It's well worth walking over the the Swan and Dolphin to see what they have over there. We're giving away all of our we secrets. Are. This is not we good. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> they won't be secret anymore. <laughs> Um, any place else that you can think of that we haven't mentioned or that we may want to point out to people? 
Oh, I I would like to mention that uh, the Scat Cats Club over at French Quarter. It's very quiet, so if you need a place where you do need some some place to be quiet or, or you want to enjoy conversation, they do have live entertainment there Wednesday through uh, Saturday as well. Elliot Dyson playing jazz music. Um, I love the theming there, and I, it's too bad that it's not uh, better utilized than it is. I guess with Bon Famille's no longer open, um, but but Scat Cats it just has a, a lot of uh, old jazz. Uh, decorations all throughout instruments hanging from the wall um i've i've had the unfortunate uh had had to work there a few times and it's so slow that you pull your hair out but that's also the test uh bar and the kitchen there for my familiar as it's, it's the test area for food and beverage for not just walt disney world but disney parks uh the, the head of food uh, or the head of beverage standards that's where he likes to to create new things for the standardized menus so i've i've been there when he's worked a few times gotten to taste a few drinks that may or may not come to the menus but um, but I mean that just shows you how slow it is. But it, it is a nice place if if you want some places a little more private. And I think the theming is so well worth checking out if you're walking through that hotel. I was like, I, th- I can understand it being frustrating for a server, but for somebody who wants it very mm-hmm. quiet. And that thing I like about French Quarter is that because it's the smallest of the Disney resorts, it's not often very crowded. You st- and, and when you wander the streets and alleyways at night, with that, with that New Orleans feel, it, it's very sort of nice. And so let me ask you this. If you were going to recommend to somebody who's coming with a girlfriend, a wife, a husband, a spouse, a whatever it is, where do you think is the best sort of quiet romantic lounge for a couple? Oh, my. Quiet romantic lounge. Oh. Uh, let, hmm, let, me, let me think about this for a second. Uh, if I was looking for someplace quiet... Uh, I probably, and that's the thing, the, the quiet places are usually so out of the way and there's not much romance going on over there. Um, I, I might go up to, uh, to Miser's. Um, it, it can be quiet there, and if it gets too busy, you can step out in the patio. Uh, there's a smoking patio out there, which I'm a cigar smoker, so I'm out there quite often. But it's, there's usually not anyone actually out there, so that, that's not usually a problem if, if you don't like to be around the smoke. But you have a great view over um, the Seven Seas Lagoon uh, for now until the new building is, is placed there. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think if I was going for an overall uh, romantic place to go, maybe not always so quiet, but you can get away if you needed a little bit of quiet, uh, I'd go ahead over to the Grand Floridian. Yeah, I, I thought of the question as we were sitting here, not because this is a very romantic recording session, but uh, I thought of people who were coming here, again, I think about this place as, as a honeymoon destination and a couple's retreat. I think even Bellevue might be a good place, especially, again, I, I love the boardwalk at night. Um, I, I think it's an attraction itself, and a couple can come here, have a drink, sort of off in the corner here at Bellevue, sit outside walk the promenade, go have a nice dinner at Flying Fish or Yachtsman Steakhouse or over at the Swan and Dolphin, uh, walk over to Epcot or, or listen to the fireworks from here, take a boat ride or whatever it might be. So I think my boy put Bellevue in there as well. Certainly a question I want to throw out to the listeners. What's your favorite lounge or what's your favorite sort of romantic getaway lounge or maybe one that we overlooked? I think we mentioned almost all of them, so it's hard <laughs> to overlook any of these. But we did want to point out a couple of our favorites, and I think uh, Bellevue is up there. I think Territory, Territory Lounge is up there. Uh, if, if you want to experiment with a bunch of different kinds of cocktails, again, I highly recommend uh, the Blues, uh, Blue Zoo. If you can get up there, if you're staying at Bay Lake or you have a friend who, who is staying there with you, um, 
you know, go up to top of the world. But there is a wide, like the resorts themselves, there's a wide variety of, and we haven't even talked about some of the drinks. We'll have to come back and actually talk yes. about some of the, the different, maybe we'll do, because I know Tim Foster can't do this, we'll do the top 10 drinks in Walt Disney World. <laughs> I sense research trip in our feature yes, chat. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we'll record that before we drink them, not after. Or, I mean, while we're drinking them, we can try a few out. Um, but yeah, I want to hear from people about what some of their favorites are and uh, maybe a couple places that we didn't mention or what they like and why. Uh, Chad, I want to thank you again for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, some of the listeners will be able to visit you over at the River Roost. Oh, I look forward to, uh, to meeting them. And thank you very much, Lou, for having me. Thank you. Now I need, think we need to go and research and drink and eat. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Don't forget that I want to hear from you about your thoughts on your favorite lounges in Walt Disney World. You can visit the show notes for show number 258 over at www.radio.com. Leave your comments there. While you're there, don't forget lots of other stuff going on there as well. We have a new entry in our latest WDW Radio Disney Book Club series. It is The Vault of Walt by Jim Corcus. Highly recommend that book. Obviously, if you've heard Jim on the show before, you know he tells such fascinating stories and knows so much about the history of not just Walt Disney World, but Walt himself, animation, and lots more. Well, this time, we're going to get together, read, and discuss The Vault of Walt in an ongoing series on the WDW Radio blog. You can visit that by visiting www.radio.com. Also remember, I mentioned last week, February 11th is the five-year anniversary of WDW Radio. We want you to be a part of of that celebration so we're asking you to send in some of your photos your top five favorite episodes suggestions for what we should do in the magic kingdom during the fifth anniversary online celebration on february 11th again photos from past meets and events and you can also learn about how you can win a six night walt disney world vacation courtesy of our friends over at mousefantravel.com in the wdw radio ultimate trivia contest i'll put a link to that post where you can find out more information and links in there. Or you can visit www.radio.com slash the number five. It's www.radio.com slash five. While you're on the site, be sure and share your thoughts and comments in that blog post about the past five years of WDW Radio. Also remember, there's other ways to share, and I'd love to hear from you via voicemail. You can call the voicemail anytime at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. You can also send me an email directly at lou at wdwradio.com. Other ways you can be part of the conversation, the show, and the WDW Radio family include coming over and chatting with other Disney fans in our free discussion forums, coming and meet us in person at Meets of the Month, the next one is going to be February 11th after our sort of five-year adventure in the Magic Kingdom. Stay tuned for the exact time and location of the meet and sort of a mini WDW Radio five-year birthday party. Best way to stay tuned for that is by following me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangello. We're Facebook.com slash WDW Radio. 
And for Google Plus, I am lumangelo.com slash G plus, G-P-L-U-S. And you can always find out about other upcoming meets and events by visiting disneymeets.com. In addition to the show, be sure and join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for our live video broadcast and chat where you can be part of the conversation, asking and answering questions about this week's Walt Disney World news. You can check that out every Wednesday, 7.30 at www.radiolive.com. And if you can't make it, I'll post the video on YouTube and the blog, and you can also get the audio in iTunes as well. A couple of other quick things I want to mention. Don't forget to come by and visit loumangelo.com. You can find out more about some other things I'm doing there, including private tours of the parks, Celebrations Press, where you can order back issues and subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And I want to give big thanks once again to my sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, whether you go into Disney World, Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, or if you want to come with us on our next WDW Radio cruise aboard the Disney Dream, that's November 4th through the 11th. We're about 285 days away from the cruise, making some plans, including a few surprises as well. Still lots of cabin availability. You can visit www.radiocruise.com for more information and a free quote. All-Star Vacation Homes has more than 150 homes from condos to seven-bedroom houses within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. If you have a large family or bringing the extended family, look into things with a private pool, spa, game rooms, multiple bathroom bedrooms, and more at allstarvacationhomes.com. And when you're staying right in the heart of Walt Disney World, one of my favorite places to visit and stay is over at the Swan and Dolphin. I love restaurants like Blue Zoo and Il Molino. They've got a great Mandara Spa. Lots of other Disney benefits, again, right in between Disney's Hollywood Studios and Epcot. You can visit them over at swananddolphin.com. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook or Google Plus or your favorite discussion forums. And please come by, rate and review the show over in iTunes as well. Thank you again for joining me this week and for letting me share my passion for Disney with you each and every week. And always remember that it's never too late to start pursuing what you are passionate about and making your dreams come true. And all you need to do is just work at it hard each and every day. Believe in yourself and always keep moving forward. Thanks again for tuning in this and every week. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, Jen Tremley from Bristol, Connecticut. Just wanted to say hello. Just finished uh, this week's show about the Disney Marathon. Sounds like you guys uh, all had a good time, uh, whether you were running or whether you were just there to support fellow runners and cheer them on. Um, I have never actually been down to the world in January or the winter months, um, so I've never been able to experience Marathon Weekend. Um, I myself am not a runner. Um, I have walked a few miles here and there, um, but uh, I have never experienced uh, running or walking in any type of marathon or half marathon. So maybe, who knows, maybe that's still a yet for me um, in uh, some years to come. But it uh, sounds like you guys all had a great time, and I just truly appreciate the work that you do for the Make-A-Wish Foundation with the Dream Team. Um, I know we've exchanged emails in the past, and um, I am a, a, a cancer survivor. Um, I was, you know, diagnosed with stage four uh, ovarian cancer at the age of 30, uh, and um, you know, I just celebrated my five years in remission this October. So I know how hard it is, um, and I know what a horrible um, disease it is. And I really uh, appreciate and admire all the work that you do for the uh, Dream Team with the Make-A-Wish Foundation in trying to get those kids to Disney and give them some sort of spark of, of hope uh, or life 
or magic, you know, in that day-to-day grind that they're going through because I've been there. Um, you know, I was suffering through this at the age of 30, and I can't imagine, you know, suffering through it at five or six years old. It's just, it breaks my heart. But I do appreciate all the work that you do, and I have made donations and will continue to make donations uh, to the Dream Team uh, for the Make-A-Wish, Make-A-Wish Foundation because it is really good work, and um, I really value everything that you guys do for it. I'm very excited with all the news uh, this week's show about the five-year anniversary and everything that you guys are planning on doing. Sounds like it's going to be a great time. Can't wait to uh, watch it that day and be one of the box people. I also just submitted my suggestion today for some of the stuff uh, for you guys to do on that day in the Magic Kingdom, and I just bought the pin uh, to support the Dream Team as well. So, um looking forward to all that good stuff that's coming up. Wish I was in Florida to participate with you guys a little bit, but unfortunately I'm up here in cold Connecticut. So, um, But anyway, I'm entering every day for the uh, Disney contest for the One More Disney Day, so hopefully uh, maybe something will come of that. If not, hey, at least it's a shot to win a free Disney vacation, so why not? Anyway, I hope everyone has a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Hi, Lou. This is Brittany from Greeley, Colorado. My husband and I are going to Walt Disney World tomorrow morning. For our second wedding anniversary, we've been listening to all of your podcasts and got your book for Christmas. We can't wait to relax and appreciate all the details that we've learned from you and your circle of friends. Oh, and we can't wait to eat, too. Thank you for all your hard work and your podcasts. Later. Hey, Lou, this is Marissa um, from Mini Girl 1995 from Brownsburg, Indiana. And I just read through the fifth anniversary reports, and I just wanted to say thank you. First of all, because WDW Radio is a huge community that gets together and it feels like family. And second off, because my favorite quote from Walt Disney is it's kind of fun to do the impossible, and he had done that through. It was all started by a mass Walt Disney said, but it was all started, but WDW Radio was all started by you and your team and a bunch of other people to get it going. So all I want to say is thank you so much for making my Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, occasionally Saturdays and Sundays when I'm not doing anything, a great day for listening to podcasts. Thank you. Hey, Lou, this is Michael from the Birmingham, Alabama area. I really love the podcast. I've been listening on and off for quite some time, and I really enjoy it, Uh, especially this uh, most recent episode about the recap of the marathon weekend. And you've inspired me, as as have all of your panelists, about uh, uh, the things that they said to, to take action. I ran the uh, Disney Marathon in 2004 and finished with a time of 5 hours and 59 minutes and did about the last 6 miles, 6.2 miles, on a torn calf muscle. So I uh, I hobbled through the very end and, and uh, actually injured myself in training. But this time I'm going to uh, commit to... Uh, working with, with you and, and Make-A-Wish Foundation and doing something to make a real difference. I did the first one for team and training, training and there's nothing against that. It's a fantastic organization, uh, but there's a lot of lot of special connections that I have in my family to Make-A-Wish. My wife is a pediatric physical therapist in the school system, and she uh, is on board, too. In fact, my whole family is going to be doing something to take part in this. My wife and my daughter are going to do the 5K on the Make-A-Wish team, and, and it's something that um, I really want to commit to the whole year to, to raising funds and trying to do the best that I can. So I have some really cool ideas that I'm going to contact you offline and then send you an email about. But I just wanted you to know that you and all the panelists really made a difference, and it was very inspiring to me to, to take action, not only to, to get out there and run that marathon, but to raise funds for it. Thank you for doing that, and thank you, as always, for WDW Radio. 